0: This is Reasonable Doubt with your hosts, Mark Garagas and Gary Smith. Welcome. Welcome to Reasonable Doubt. For those of you who, and it was other than the three of us who didn't know, you could have heard Gary uh, try three times to get into this. And uh, I won't tease you, Gary, about the NPR voice, but GPS. And of course, who would we have on Friday afternoon as all Trump News is breaking, but the the woman in demand herself, the former chief assistant of the Manhattan DA's office, Karen Friedman Agnifilo, aka KFA. Hi, Karen.
1: Hello, Mark and Gary.
0: How are good you? To see
1: you? I'm I'm good. I'm good.
0: Busy? I'll bet you. And by the way, thank you for carving out a little bit of time. I'll bet you you couldn't be more in demand right now.
1: Yeah, but you know, I never forget my roots. I never forget my lo- <laughs> my loyalty. You know, always stays. I'm a loyal person through and through. So
0: I, I love it. I love it. So you, we last time we had you on, you said the invitation to the grand jury was one of the last acts, and boy, you were right. Uh, I will ask the first question, which is, why did it take this long? Um, and we haven't se- You haven't seen an indictment yet, have you?
1: No, nobody that I know of has actually seen the indictment yet.
0: Okay. Do you think, I have posited, I'd love to hear you're, you're in the weeds, that the Costello testimony, for those who aren't in the weeds, once Trump was invited, the Trump team said, we want Mr. Costello to go in front of the grand jury. and uh, And we talked about the fact that he said to the grand jury, at least if you believe him, that... Uh, they had cherry picked six documents out of hundreds. Do you think that's what slowed things down?
1: I, I actually don't see this as being slowed down. So the, the reason this seems slow to people is because the grand jury process is normally secret and people don't really know what goes on or how how this works. So the really, the what the way this works is grand juries in New York, which is how you formally charge someone with a felony, is. They usually sit for two or four weeks. And so every single case that comes in is presented during that time, except if you have a long-term investigation that you think will last longer than what a a normal regular grand jury will take. And so it's very routine to make an application to the court for a long-term investigatory grand jury that can charge or just investigate a case. And that's what they did here expecting it to take many, many, many months, which again, very routine. There's always at least one or two special grand juries going on at all times. And when you apply for the court for a special grand jury, because you're asking someone to sit for six months, a year, a year and a half, whatever you think it is that you need, you have them sit for, let's say, just the afternoons and maybe three days a week or just the mornings and maybe two days a week. And so we know that this grand jury sat Monday, Wednesday, Thursdays. And unlike a regular trial that meets every single day and meets all day, a grand jury can be fits and starts. It, it During that period of time, it could be the witness availability is such that you have lots of witnesses in a week, or you don't have any witnesses in a week, or one week you do documents, whatever it is. So the fact that we're seeing these fits and starts happen in a uh, you know, publicly, which we don't normally do, it seems and feels to people like it's taking a long time. But to me, this is a very usual part of the process. And, and so we knew we were at the end of the case because the very end of a presentation is when you invite the defendant in and, and Donald Trump chose not to accept that invitation because he would have had to waive immunity because anybody who goes into a New York uh, grand jury automatically gets transactional immunity, and he wasn't going to waive that immunity to go in the grand jury. So, but he did ask that a witness uh, testify, and that was uh, Robert Costello, an attorney for Michael Cohen. And and he came in and he testified for, I think, three hours, uh, which is a very long period of time to testify in the grand jury. Grand juries are not like trials. They're much shorter. So a three-hour witness is actually a, a fulsome presentation. And, and and he had an opportunity to really say whatever he thought was important uh but what once a defense witness comes in the grand jury, it turns what's a normally a bare bones presentation that doesn't have an opening. It doesn't have a summation, there's no cross examination it turns it into a mini trial, and so now you have to rebut whatever it is that they said and as soon as we heard that Alvin Bragg was putting in um David Pecker, too. Yeah, too.
0: So, Pecker, so just so people know, if they're not in the weeds. Costello, and people might say, well, how is it that Michael Cohen's former lawyer can testify, right? And your answer to that is
1: well, he says, and he showed a document that Michael Cohen waived. Uh Waived that confidentiality, and uh, Michael Cohen says he doesn't recall I think doing that, but it that somehow he he has something that shows that that the attorney- cl- client privilege was waived and that he was able to testify, and what he came in and said was Michael Cohen's a liar, right? And that, that's not news to anybody. Everybody knew the, the DA's office knew he was somebody who was convicted for lying to Congress. He had other convictions that he, you know, committed that had nothing to do with Trump. He also has a, um, has, uh, spoken out very, um, very, publicly and many, many, many times and continues to speak out publicly about his opinion about Donald Trump and about this case and his desire to, some will say, seek revenge. He will say to to, you know, right a wrong that he did. Right. He wants and- he,
0: ju- he wants justice.
1: Yeah. I have a and, question and-
0: before we get into Pecker, though, I have a question, too. So they put Costello in there. Costello testifies for a while. Do you feel like um, uh, traditionally, at least with grand juries, my experience is that it does not require a whole lot to get a grand jury to indict? Why why does the prosecution need to do such a fulsome or full-throated response?
1: Because it is a mini trial at that point. So it doesn't take a lot to get a grand jury to indict when you're just presenting your side and you're just presenting the evidence. And and it's uh, some, I I think it was Saul Walkler. Someone said famously said uh, a New York grand jury could indict a ham ham sandwich. And, uh, and I understand why that was said, because it is easy to get an indictment when you're just presenting your evidence. But when a defendant testifies, I've had cases kicked. You know, I've had a defendant comes in and testifies. Again, you don't open, you don't get to sum up and you you don't it's not a real trial. Right. So you have to do that. That's, in- do you call it
0: in New York a no true bill?
1: It's called a no true bill. Correct.
0: Okay, and, so I've, and I myself so have understood. gotten it's it's a you because you, you use the grand jury a lot more in the state court than in California. I mean, I can count on both hands, the number of grand juries I've ever had in California state court, although a federal court is completely the opposite. I can count on two hands, maybe one hand the number of times I've ever done a preliminary hearing. So so, so
1: it, in in New York County, in Manhattan, they almost exclusively use grand jury. So I've probably put in a thousand cases in the grand jury in my career, I would say. And and I've t- I've cross-examined many defendants in the grand jury. And I've had cases that were no true build because the jury believed the defendant or exercised their mercy function, which the New York grand jury has as well, which um, a, a trial jury By does not By the way, have. does
0: the mercy function, uh, some have compared that to nullification, but it's actually grand jury doing the nullification. Correct.
1: Correct. So, yeah. And, and in New York, a petit jury or a trial jury isn't supposed to, there, there, there's not, you're not, you're supposed to consider apply the law to the facts and not consider things like sympathy or nullification, but a grand jury actually has discretion to show a mercy function in New York. And, and I've seen it happen. I've, I've, I've had cases where the guy, Absolutely committed the crime, but he was very sympathetic and didn't deserve to be punished in the grand jury. and he testified, and the grand jury exercised the mercy function and and so but but when a defendant testifies, it's a whole different ball game. The presentation becomes much more robust. You add a lot more witnesses testimony and 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 people were saying after after Bob Costel, Robert oh, so Costello. Well testified, they were asking, did, did Alvin Bragg have cold feet? Was he reconsidering? And as soon as he put David Pecker in, who I would argue is a co-conspirator in this uh, election interference. Got
0: immunity from the feds, correct? He got immunity or, from the feds. Or a and, deferred got immunity- prosecution. and for people who don't know, David Pecker was at National Enquirer. David Pecker has reportedly been in the mix with Karen McDougal, who was the other woman who came, who surfaced at the same time and famously did some media at the same time as Stormy. And I believe the Southern District either gave him a deferred prosecution or immunity. I just don't remember which.
1: He got immunity federally. He also, when he testifies in New York, when he goes in the grand jury, he gets immunity there too. So because he goes did in he the grand have-
0: jury. In New York, does the federal immunity automatically cover you for state? Does not, correct?
1: No, but there is a double jeopardy issue. Uh, if the feds go first, it, the state is jeopardied out um, bringing a case. But if we go first, the feds are not jeopardied out. So, Is that the
0: same issue that uh, Paul Manafort raised exactly. on? Okay.
1: Exactly. Right. And then we tried to argue that, uh, that it was not similar. It was substantially different, and so therefore Meaning the crime
0: that he was in jeopardy for federally did not match to the crime that was being charged in the state court.
1: Correct, and that's what we tried to argue, and we lost, and that case was dismissed.
0: And that was when you were there in the office, actually.
1: Yeah, no, it was. It absolutely was. Um, so yes, is there a
0: world, if you're Trump, where after Costello... You send in you first, you send in Costello. Is there a Hail Mary um, uh, solution where Trump says, no, I want to go in and I, I'm going to testify.
1: Absolutely. He could, that, that could have been a Hail, Hail Mary, but don't forget he'd have to waive immunity and anything he's a, he locks himself into a defense B he's hard to control and, and a defense attorney can sit next to him, but he can't speak on the record. No kidding. In New
0: York, you can put the attorney in the grand jury.
1: Only with a target, only with a defendant, not with a witness. A witness uh cannot wow. have the lawyer go in, but a defendant, your lawyer goes in, they sit there, they can't say a word. If they object, then you stand up and you walk outside and you have the objection outside and you might even go to a judge together to have a judge, the grand jury judge who's sitting uh, down the hall will, uh, will resolve any issues. But yeah, so he would have had to have waived immunity. And of course, anything he says in there can be used. Can be used. So. so I have a
0: question here. So uh, we haven't, as we're taping this, it's Friday afternoon. Uh, it's been reported and uh, that there's thirty some odd, some odd counts that have been indicted. Uh, Joe Tacapina, Taco Joe, as I like to call him, is the and that uh, is not an insult because uh, my Jacob has dirty taco, um, but Taco Joe, I would assume is defending on the uh, Stormy Daniels uh, matter. However, yesterday I noticed that there was a press release and Susan Necklace was also with Joe Takapina. Now, why is that important to me, at least? And I want your opinion on this. Susan just, and I know Susan, and and um, she's a, an exceptional lawyer here in New York. She just tried the Trump organization case against Alvin Bragg's office. And that was for documents that were supplied to New York that were false and allegedly, but now convicted by the Trump organization. That leads me to believe when everybody keeps talking about the stormy Daniels indictment, that and there's thirty some odd counts that wouldn't lead me to believe if Susan's in the mix and there's that many counts. This isn't this isn't Stormy Daniels. That may be the tail wagging the dog, and I didn't mean that in a pejorative sense. Um, I'm not calling her an animal like Trump does, but the that would strike me as that the Trump Organization trial was the blueprint or dry run for the indictment that is yet to be unsealed. Am I off base here? Is that too much thinking?
1: No, I I think, I think, I think that is absolutely part of it. I think you're going to see the same prosecutors, the same defense attorneys and the same judge. And, and a lot of this has to do with the books and records of the Trump organization, which were very much in play in that first trial that Susan Necklace, by the way, lost and Alvin Bragg won in a 17 count conviction uh, case. So so it'll so there is a a little bit of institutional expertise on both sides. uh, And so it doesn't it makes sense to me that they would potentially do that. Uh, But to answer your question about the charges now. I heard that uh, from a very good source, John Miller, who was um, one of the executives of John Miller,
0: the guy used to be in LA, used to be with ABC. Um, yes. and, he right, was the first, okay. he
1: was the first reporter to, in, uh, interview Osama bin Laden. He, um, he, he used to be in LA, but then he, he, he's, he worked for under, for the NYPD, He was an executive there, um, in, in counterintelligence. Ter-
0: I was going to say, and had a specialty in terrorism. I yes. Think.
1: Counterintelligence and terrorism. Yeah. And so John Miller's, a uh, just a really excellent, uh, Person who I've worked with for many, many, many years and know him fairly well. And, and he said last night that he got from his sources, and and he's one of the only people I know whose sources might be better than mine or as good as mine. <laughs> um, he he said that it was a 34 count indictment. And uh and that's what I'm hearing as well, that it's in the 30s. Um, but he's he specifically said 34. And and what I thought what 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 that said to me is uh again, I don't know. I haven't seen the indictment. I'm just reading tea leaves. What 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 my tea leaves would say about that is, is um, the way Trump structured the payments to Michael Cohen to pay him back for paying off Stormy Daniels. And so was... people
0: understand, I'm going to walk them through. There was a $130,000 payment. That payment was taken presumably off of the First Republic ELOC, home equity line of credit that Michael Cohen had, that $130,000 was used to pay through a also kind of a circumnavigation to Stormy Daniels through, I believe, Keith Davidson's trust account, and then later reimbursed by Donald Trump's personal money.
1: So through the Trump Org, yeah, right. he was reimbursed through the Trump Org, and the way Don and and the way it was either through his personal money or the Trump Org get, did a, a it's, either way it's an illegal campaign contribution because it was not accounted for, and in order to hide it, right, in order to hide what it was for, they spread out the payments over eleven, ten or eleven different payments to pay Michael Cohen back, and
0: a total of one thirty
1: correct no because he got a fee on top of that right don't forget okay. he got he got you know so a- the
0: so the problem would be uh, as a defense lawyer that i've got number 1 is how does the state going to say that they're going to prosecute a crime where the predicate act one of the predicate acts is a, is a federal election uh violation number 2 Is it a federal election violation? You got to have a mini trial on that because does he want to? And he's either it's the truth or not. He wanted to hide it from Melania. And this is one way to do it that he wasn't hiding it from the electorate. He was hiding it from Melania. But and then the statute of limitations. And if the FEC, Federal Election Commission, passed on it, how does the Manhattan DA get to jump in the middle?
1: Yeah. So let's back up a little bit. So um, so he first had an affair with uh, Karen McDougall in, I think, 2006, before he even was married to Melania. And that was a 10-month relationship, right? And then she came forward and towards around the time of the election, and she wanted to get paid uh, in order to not tell her story. The second person who came forward was Stormy Daniels, who had an affair with him three months after Melania and his child was born. And so he was cheating on Baron. Baron. So I can imagine why, one can imagine why he wouldn't, Want Melania to know about the Stormy Daniels relationship, and it makes no sense why he, why you wouldn't want him to know about the Karen McDougal relationship. But even if it is that you were, if his defense is going to be that he was doing this so that, to spare her embarrassment, uh, I think that it's important to think about does she, her, does she look at the books and records of the Trump organization? I would highly doubt it. So why well, does he is, have to make is, up?
0: Res- yeah, but wouldn't his response just be or wouldn't the lawyer's response cuz I'm not so sure he's going to testify in the petty jury. I mean the who knows. I'm I'm not going to predict it yet. But wouldn't his response be of course she's not going to look at the books and records. That's the least of our problems. I just don't want these one of these two women coming out and telling their story and so in order to take care of that, I'm going to do it in a way that doesn't draw attention.
1: Yeah, but so True. But the thing is, then just pay Michael Cohen back, right? That's all he had to do. And just say he, you know, A, pay him back. And B, why did he have to write it in uh, his books and records as a legal retainer that didn't exist? And C, why did he have to structure it over 11, 10 or 11 different payments? Just make one payment. So I, I just think that it that argument only gets you so far. Now, to answer your other question, oh, and, and just two other things to... This this case. At I'll tell you order.
0: why. I'll tell you why he might. I'll give you the argument in response. He's going to say, of course, he didn't just pay Michael Cohen back because he didn't want to give Michael Cohen the leverage to later come back to him to uh, take him down or to uh, to try to leverage it or extort him himself.
1: I guess. I mean, I, you know, I, 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 mean, I can't pretend guy, to understand how the these people was, think.
0: Yeah, this is a guy who's got a long history of people trying to, uh, if you if you believe him, and he's going to say, people are all, I've got a target on my back. They're always coming after me. I've been involved in hundreds of lawsuits. They're trying to target me. Uh, the last thing I'm going to do is give my lawyer ammunition so he can uh, shake me down.
1: Right. And, but what? And what and is by Kenya the way, 35- look at Michael Cohen. But what, right? But exactly. Uh, but why, why does $35,000 a month any different than just a one, one check for 350000 I just don't understand the difference, right? If that's what he was doing.
0: But see, that's the problem to me that the prosecution's going to have. I think when the prosecution says, well, there was legal fees to be on top of it. Is Cohen, I presumably Cohen is send, sending invoices, right?
1: So that's why I think there's 30 something. Counts
0: You think it's one. uh, Perfect. That's I think
1: I think for each each payment has a, a false invoice, a false entry in the books and records, a false check. I mean, there's multiple there's multiple items that relate to each one. And that's where I why you think I think you have in the 30s. I also think there's a possibility that there might be a conspiracy charge and a conspiracy charge. The reason I'll tell you why I would charge conspiracy if I were them. Number one, conspiracy gives you a speaking or talking indictment it gives you there that you can you can you can put all that language in there as opposed to a bare bones indictment, because indictments are typically the elements of the crime, the time and date of the crime, and one or two small facts, you know, so it would be like so the you, defendant in the county. Speaking.
0: Yeah, so I'll, say I'll tell speaking, you. So a regular, You don't want to tell your story in a narrative.
1: Yeah. So a regular indictment for falsifying a business records would be the defendant in the county of New New York on or about January 1st, 2010, you know, with the intent to deceive, falsified a business record to wit. A invoice and intended to commit or or conceal a crime when he did that. And that's, that's really what it would say. But that doesn't tell a story. That doesn't answer the questions that people want to know. People want to know what crime, what was he doing, what is this case about? And so the way you get to that is with a speaking indictment that tells a story. And one charge that – and you can do that one of two ways. They can file a statement of facts with the indictment, which they may do or they can charge conspiracy. And, and the reason I like the idea of charging conspiracy is because number one, a conspiracy takes place over a, a range of time. So they can say from honor about when Karen McDougall started to honor about when stormy Daniels ended, you know, this is the period of the conspiracy well, and what that allows you to do.
0: Cause that'll get you out of the statute of limitations issue as well. You as it, a, as a prosecutor.
1: It gets you out of the statute of limitations issue. It also means that you can bring in all these things that you can say are relevant to the conspiracy. Whereas if this is just about Stormy Daniels and you try to bring in the Karen McDougal stuff, because really what this case is about is it's an election interference case. This is his first attempt to interfere with and uh, with an election and, and try to get himself elected. This is the first time he did that, right? The second time was much worse. It was January sixth, and all the events leading up to it, and the insurrection in Georgia, and et cetera, et cetera. But the first time, when he first tried to interfere with an election, was when he tried to obfuscate the source of this money, so that he didn't, ha- so that he can suppress the story. It was three weeks before the election. It was right after the Access Hollywood tape came out. He was vulnerable, and he didn't want this coming out, so that he could get elected. So that's number one.
0: You know what? they could then, if that is the, and I have no doubt that's the prosecutorial theory. And by the way, you're absolutely right. That allows for an expansive kind of hot button hitting all these things. But then doesn't that invite the defense to say, are you kidding me? We're going to adopt what all the people were saying about Trump early on, that this was just a branding maneuver. It was a money grab. He never thought he was going to win. And so this wasn't about. What? just about protecting himself from Melania election.
1: He'll say that. I just think, you know, look, the other thing about putting a conspiracy in other than telling a story is you can get in evidence that otherwise a judge might find was the, the prejudicial value. Is outweighs- can you explain
0: that? Can you explain that with cons? There was, I, I forget the Supreme court justice, but he, uh don't take this personally. It's uh, directed at prosecutors who used to say conspiracy is one of the favorite. So I'm paraphrasing it. One of the favorite uh, arrows in the quiver of a lazy prosecutor, I think was something along those lines, but explain what you mean by that. Cause it's absolutely true. The defending a conspiracy is just, it drives you crazy as a defense lawyer, but prosecutors love it.
1: Yeah. Because, because a conspiracy The way a conspiracy works is two people have to agree to commit a crime together. That's essentially what, at least two people, two or more people have to agree to commit a crime together. And, and you then have to show they have to have committed overt acts or acts in, in, in furtherance of the, it's not enough to just have an agreement. You know, you and I can sit down and say, you know what I'd love to do. I'd love to rob a bank. Oh, I would too. And, and that's great. But if we never do anything about it, we just talk about it. That's not a conspiracy. You have to do something like rent the getaway car or buy the ski mask that you're going to put over your face or whatever. Anything can be an overt act in furtherance of the conspiracy to get you to have that be a crime. So What you can do, though, is you can allege lots of overt acts. And so here, one of the overt acts I would allege, for example, is because this to me is an election interference case, is I would allege that uh, that the tape recording between Michael Cohen and Donald Trump regarding the Karen McDougal payment, the other payment, I would argue that's an overt act and furtherance of the conspiracy to, uh, to overthrow or to influence the election. If you don't have that in there as an overt act, the defense can make an argument that uh, that's unrelated to Stormy Daniels. That's a separate uncharged crime. Right, and, too and, and it's, and it's and too
0: prejudicial. It's too prejudicial.
1: But if you have it as part and an overt act in the conspiracy, it comes in and you get to prove it. So, look, I don't know. This is all guessing. I don't know what the indictment well, are. That- I have
0: one more question before I wrap you up. I could talk to you about this for five hours. Who are who are the co-conspirators?
1: Uh, David pecker who owns the national inquirer and michael cohen i would say which also mm-hmm. means you have to you you have to corroborate michael cohen anyway because he has uh credibility issues but if he he's also an accomplice and an accomplice in new york state you need to uh corroborate them you can't just the word of an accomplice alone is not enough i love it
0: karen will you come back i know that you're now so in demand but you know the uh the the, remember the little people on the way up the. By line, the way, okay?
1: it's first of all, I've always so honored when you ask me on the show, I've, and I love being on here, and I appreciate it very much. Thank you. It's, it's so really fun.
0: It's so fun how you can't open social media without seeing Karen these days. She's just everywhere. Yeah.
1: Fantastic. I And
0: by the way, whoever gets her as their contributor is going to win the, uh the brass ring, so to speak. She's mm-hmm. uh she's a keeper. Anyway, Karen, we'll have you back very soon and often. I'm sure. Thank you. Well, by the way, by the way, I'll, I'll teach you about carving out certain things in the contract.
1: We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> okay. Goodbye.
0: Bye. Thanks Karen. Our second guest, you know, by the way, Gary, I'm going to be accused of just doing um, promoting the women in our office uh, coast to coast. First, we have Karen Agnifilo out of the New York office. Um, And by the way, uh, everybody wants Karen right now because who better than the former chief assistant of the Manhattan DA's office to talk Trump? And at the same time, we now have Tina, who is the managing partner of the New York office, who minutes ago, I believe, Tina, correct me if I'm wrong, just won freedom for the Tate Brothers. Is that right?
2: Yes, finally. So they are being sent home as we speak. I got off minutes ago with Aline, who's uh, the Romanian defense attorney that we're working with, and he was at the jail waiting for them to be released. So... I'm hoping to get a call any minute now to hear from them out of custody.
0: So I'm going to, I obviously know some of the answers to the questions I'm going to ask you, but I'm going to ask as if I don't, how's that? Sure. Um, First of all, the last thing I read was their appeal was denied. What happened?
2: So that was a separate appeal. If you recall, the last time I was on, I was talking about there were two separate appeals. One was an appeal of their bail application, which was heard on Tuesday and it was denied the next day. And today was an appeal of the extension of the of another thirty days of the arrest warrant, and that's the one that got overturned today.
0: And so, that as to one brother, both brothers, and what about the two females? Do you love questions? All- as if I don't know any of this stuff,
2: <laughs> I do. It's it's for all four. So all four are being sent home today. It was and it was an immediate release, which was great.
0: It's quite a win. Congratulations.
2: It's it's the first win of hopefully clearing them once and for all. So this is a big first step, getting them home. And we'll focus on making sure that charges don't get filed against them.
0: And now that they're home and under ho- house arrest, sorry, I'm going to ask a question I legitimately don't know sure. the answer to. Now that they're home and under house arrest, uh, what's the timetable for them to either be charged or not?
2: So it's we still have that 180-day period. So even the house arrest gets counted towards that. So for now, the house arrest is just another 30-day extension. So if they want to, they can seek to extend the house arrest another 30 days at the end of the term. But again, they can't exceed the 180 days. Right.
0: That's right. interesting. So it's kind of like, kind of, if you had been charged as a civil contemner and refused to testify, in front of a grand jury in in the federal system, they can keep you up to 18 months as a coercive. This is not supposed to be coercive, correct? This is just- No, this is, again,
2: it's the factors if they think you're a flight risk or a danger to public order is what they call it there. So those are the factors they look at.
0: Well, great. We we may bring you back on Sunday then. I know that you want to get back on the phone and it's- what time is it in Romania, by the way? Do you know?
2: I think. What time is it now? It's early, very early in the morning there. So I think maybe around two. I would say.
0: Wow, so it's quite a. Oh
2: no, it's midnight. It's it's just midnight? just after midnight.
0: Okay, quite a quite a uh, run for the G and G on on the uh, alpha male front, cane... Uh, yeah. Kane got uh, released uh, from custody and now the Tate brothers and the two uh, females being charged with them. Uh, it's something I'll tell you. Uh, anyway, Tina, we, we want you back.
2: I'm happy to be back.
0: Okay. Especially. If I'll you... see you guys soon. Okay. Thank you. And thank you. Me... Yes. Thank Mark. you. And I'll, I'll see you on uh, Sunday at the, alter of bard. And uh, we may even have Tina back for that. I'm looking forward to it. And anyone who's criticizing you about highlighting your female attorneys, you just got to start hiring less impressive ones <laughs> because they're all excellent <laughs> at their jobs. And it's not, not your fault that they're all in the news at the same time. So thank you again, Tina, for joining
1: us.
2: We Thanks, really appreciate Gary. it. And we'll see you of soon. Of course. All right. Thank uh, you. Lisa, I
0: like to call him Gary. We don't call him hater hoes. We call the guys usually because it's usually guys who are the, making the comments. You know, what do I call them, Tina? Do you know?
2: No, I, Hater Hoses is your usual go-to. Yeah, Hater Joes. <laughs> so oh, go. I haven't heard that one, actually. There you go. Clever. <laughs> anyway, no problem. <laughs> <money. right>,
0: <laughs> Thank you. Thanks all. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Reasonable Doubt. Subscribe on YouTube at YouTube.com slash Reasonable Doubt podcast.